Welcome to the Grace City Church Podcast, where we believe that Jesus died to reconcile us to God, to others, and to make us reconcilers. We're so glad you're here, and we pray that wherever you're watching, God is doing transforming work in you through this message. Really is, it really is an honor, um, and another honor I get the privilege of telling you about is Pastor Byron Bitten, who's here now. Um, so uh, this man has been a mentor, um, a brother, and a deep source of en- and encouragement to me over the last four years. We met in 2020 uh, in the middle of when being a pastor, especially of a multi-ethnic church, was just hard. And, um, and uh, some of the, the times we spent together were some of the deep, deepest encouraging times uh, of, of my life. We served on a couple boards together. Um, but one thing I want to say real quick, I didn't say this in the first service, but I stepped off of one of the boards, and, uh, and he reached out to me, and he's like, let's get lunch. And he didn't have to do it. I mean, this man, he's the busiest pastor. He, again, he preached our first service, he preached his church, and now he's back again. So he's, he's a busy man, right? He's a busy man, but he's like, hey, let's get lunch. And we got lunch, and he's like, hey, I just wanted to check in on you. And, and he has a whole congregation that he's pastoring, but he just wanted to sit with me and to make sure I was okay. And I think that speaks to the type of man he is, pastor he is, brother he is, and uh, just man of God he is. And so I know that we are about to be blessed by his word. I was, have already been blessed in the first service, and I'm so thankful that he's back to preach for us. So can we give a great city welcome, Pastor Byron Benton, please? Come on up. Let me, let me pray a blessing over you. Uh, Father God, we do, we do thank you for this time, and I, just, I do feel very, very honored um, that this man would be here and that he would give us a word, that he would, he would honestly endure running back and forth to minister to, our, to minister to us. And so, Lord Jesus, we do pray you give him preaching power. I pray you give him clarity in his mind that you just continue to renew him and give him endurance for whatever you have for him to give us right now. Lord Jesus, that it would just be crisp, it would be clear, that we would be, we'd have receptive hearts. Lord Jesus, I know it's going to be a good word, but we want to be people who are ready for it. We want to be people who, who have hearts that want to move and want to respond. And so I just pray that would be true for us, that we would be hungry for you to speak to us on today. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Grace City is great to see you uh, again, and some of you for the first time. I'm excited to be able to tap into this spiritual habit series that your pastor and your church has been working through. But allow me a moment to do what I could not do at the early morning because I had to rush through to get down to Rivers Avenue and then get back. And that is to truly show my appreciation to your pastor to his wife, to his family. And can you join me in celebrating them for a moment? Oh, come on, we can do better than that, can't we? Um, It's it's one thing, and and I've planted a church before. Uh, We planted, I was sent from Berean, Brooklyn, Berean Baptist Church of Brooklyn, New York, to plant in Raleigh. And I pastored for seven years, and then the Lord sent me to Mount Moriah, and Mount Moriah called. He's not going anywhere, Grace City, let me just say that. Um, 
But what I can tell you is planting, there's nothing like it. And it pulls everything you've got and more out of your own soul and heart. And for Grace City, for you to be where you are in this amount of time is a reflection of the pastor that you have, is a reflection of the church family that you are together. And I am so proud. I look at him as a little brother. I'm the youngest born in my family, and I actually saw my dad come in just now. Dad, where are you? I see you. I saw you somewhere. There he is, lifting his hand back there. That's my dad. Um, he, can, he can attest to this as, as the youngest, uh, which also means that my family, I mean, they were just in desperate need of me to show up. Uh, they, they just did not have fun before I came, I can tell you that. But I, I was robbed of the opportunity of having younger siblings. But what I have seen is spiritually the Lord has blessed me, and your pastor is the amazing younger brother of my prayers. And so I appreciate you so much, brother. And, and it has been a cross-pollination. I'm, I'm grateful that you feel that I've been able to sow in your life, but you have shown, sown equally into mine, and we're grateful for that. Amen? Amen. 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 Now, uh, I believe in blessing folk, and so you should check your cash out because Jazz and I sent you a little something. <laughs> amen? Um, my wife, our, our middle child, Mayara, our eight-year-old, is under the weather, so she's at home. Uh, tending to her needs, uh, so she wasn't able to be here, but she did send her love and regrets that she wasn't able to come. Amen? Amen. And to my Mount Moriah family, there's a crew of them that drove down the street. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Mount Moriah, wave your hand. Wave it around. There they go. There they go. One of our ushers who came to the early morning here went back to Mount Moriah, Sister Middleton, and came back, and there she is just helping out and serving. <laughs> all right. I know y'all said, all right, is he going to preach? Is he just going to talk to us? So I better jump into the reason why I am here. But please know I am eternally grateful. And we are blessed at Mount Moriah that you have invited us to be in this space. And this may be a new record. I've preached three times before in a Sunday, but I've never preached three hours straight. Uh, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and then, and then again at 11, although now we're at 12, so maybe it doesn't count. Please join me in a word of prayer. Father, we're grateful and we're honored for this moment, this time, and this space and opportunity to gather. We don't take it for granted. There are many in different countries and different places that can't do this without risking their lives. But God, we are able this morning, this afternoon, to freely worship you and allow your spirit to move. We ask now that you would ready our hearts and our minds, that we would readily receive your word, and move to implementing it in a way that glorifies your name and edifies your body. We praise you for you are worthy to be praised. Now bless Grace City through the proclamation and celebration of your holy word. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And all the children of the most high God said in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. You already heard the scripture being read to you. I simply want to highlight once again for your hearing Luke chapter 17 verses 18 and 19. Those are the last verses of what was read and you'll see it and hear now the word of the Lord. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you what? It's made you well. It's made you well. Um, I like to talk to my neighbor a little bit. And in our church, we do a little neighbor talking. I'm going to invite you. I know you already did your family circle time and all that. But look at your neighbor and say, friend, don't forget to say thank you. Amen. Y'all sound wonderful. Don't forget to say thank you. You don't want to be rude this afternoon. One of the very first classes of etiquette that we put our children in, one of the very first things we teach them, one of the very first things that you were taught, regardless of your cultural background, regardless of your differences, one of the first things that we're all taught is how to say thank you. It's proper etiquette. It is the way you treat people. If someone does something for you, even if it's just opening a door, you're supposed to say what? Thank yous are important because it is an acknowledgement of a transaction between a sender and a receiver. If I receive something but don't say thank you to the one who sent it, I may communicate to them that I'm ungrateful, unappreciative, maybe even entitled to what it is that they just did for me. Furthermore, any grand accomplishment you have had in life typically required somebody else to help you. If you've had any kind of success, you didn't do it all by yourself. You didn't get there all in your own strength. I know we like to say pull yourself up by your bootstraps, but somebody had to give you the boots and the straps before you could even pull. And somebody had to tell you what pulling was. And somebody had to help you get the strength, get the nourishment to then have the strength to begin to pull those bootstraps that you were given. If you have graduated from something, somebody helped you. A teacher inspired you, a preacher encouraged you, a parent fed and clothed you, a church supported you, somebody prayed for you, and you ought to say, thank you. <laughs> it's important to say thank you. But one of the enemies of gratitude is tragedy. Sometimes it's hard to be thankful when life is difficult. It's hard to be thankful when you are struggling and your struggle's not been by your own making. Somebody has forced you and pushed you into a struggle. Oh, it's easy to say thank you when you're happy for what has been given to you, but it's hard to say thank you when people have given you pain, heartache, and tragedy. It is hard for me to express gratitude for somebody else's success when I can't seem to succeed myself. And we have all faced tragedy. We all have storms. We all have difficulty. And if you haven't yet, just keep on living a little while. Before long, there's a storm with your name on it. No matter how healthy you eat, how much you work out, at some point your body will get sick. No matter how 
good you are at communicating how loving you are of a, as a spouse, eventually there's going to be an argument in your house. Or we'll call it a disagreement. There'll be conflict. How about that? Eventually you're going to not like the way that they put their socks on the couch. <laughs> Tell people this all the time. When I was single, there were things that I thought were okay that I didn't know weren't okay until after I got married. I was fine with it. I was fine with where I put my socks. I was fine with, with, with what time period I took out the trash and things of that nature. And then I got married and realized I had not been doing a whole lot right. <laughs> All of us have struggles with our names attached to them. And we have to face it. However, if everyone is in the same shape you are in, nobody around you can help you with your situation. No one can escape the harsh clamp of tragedy's grasp unless someone else is willing to help them get through it. Late 19th and early 20th century Irish playwright and co-founder of the London School of Economics, George Bernard Shaw said this, the only way to avoid being miserable is not to have enough leisure to wonder whether you are happy or not. <laughs> In other words, I like to put it this way. It bees that way sometimes. Sometimes life is hard. And that brings us to these ten lepers who are living a difficult life full of pain, anguish, and disease. They were living under a tragic circumstance. Leprosy was a disease that manifested by the changes in the skin, the mucous membranes, and the peripheral nerves. What you're saying, Pastor? In other words, there was a change in the skin texture. There were different lesions and things that would break out, and eventually you would lose sensitivity to different parts of your body. You would get so sick and in so much pain that the body would literally numb itself. And once you were numb, you did not even realize what kind of trouble you were in. You could hurt yourself, but because you can't feel it, you didn't know that you were hurting. Can I pause there for a moment? See, when you're numb, the whole reason why you have pain is so that your mind can tell you what you need to give attention to. Without pain, you would not give attention to the areas in your body that need more attention. So if you stump your toe, it hurts and swells up so that you know you need to limp a little bit, maybe get some crutches, but you need to stay off the toe. But if you have no pain, then you will continue to act as if your toe is normal and put yourself in greater harm and danger. In other words, there are things within us that need more attention, but without pain, we ignore them. And sometimes we try to ignore the pain. But what I love about God is we serve a God who wants to deal with our pain, acknowledge our pain, meet us in our pain. But a lot of people don't want to deal with your pain. Some people don't know what to do with your pain. So you know what society tends to do when they don't know how to handle somebody else's pain? They push them to the margins. These lepers were pushed outside of the city. Leave your home, leave your family, leave your church, leave everything that you know and that is comfortable that you have been a part of, your community, your entire life, and you've got to go away. 
Because leprosy spread through contact with others, prolonged contact. So because I'm fearful of what I can contract from you, I got to push you away from me. People are quick to force you to the margins when they are scared, intimidated, or threatened by you. In this month of black history, we are reminded of our nation's history of marginalizing people based on their color alone. Redlining to keep a people from having access to generational wealth, a good education, and dooming communities into poverty and high crime rates. We are reminded of voter suppression, Jim Crowism, segregation, the enslavement of a people solely based on their complexion. Society loves to push people who are different, whatever different is, outside of the city limits. If you are undereducated, they force you to the margins. If you are overeducated, they say you, you're too qualified for this. If you don't make enough money, they force you to the margins. If you are too young or too old, they'll force you to the margins. Depending on your car you drive, your relationship status, they push you to the margin. People will make up reasons to push you to the margins. They'll look at you and say, you know what? I don't like that he can't grow hair anymore. And they'll push you to the margins. They will make you feel like you don't belong, that you are not significant, that you are not of value. They will treat you like a leper. These lepers were all gathered in the margins of society awaiting their fate of death. Death away from family. It's reminiscent of COVID-19 in the beginning when people were dying without loved ones around. Where their last days were just looking at a hospital ceiling without a simple I love you or a loved one's touch. But here's what I love about the text. When we find ourselves in this position, we find out that Jesus doesn't just stay in the city. Jesus comes to meet us in the margins of society. Jesus comes where nobody else will come to see about me. Oh, Jesus comes to the hospital room. Jesus comes to the prison cell. Jesus comes outside of Jerusalem in order to see about me. And what we see is that when Jesus comes to see about these lepers, they cry out from afar, Lord, have pity. Many translations say, Lord, have mercy on me. Oh, that's beautiful. I remember as a child connecting mercy with a negative connotation. I connected it with a negative connotation because my big brother, who's nine and a half years older than I, we used to play a game called Mercy. In this game, we would wrestle until one person made the other so uncomfortable that you tapped out and said, Mercy. I said he was older than I was, and so I remember when I was eight, he went away to college, and when he would come home, I would try to get the upper hand on him, and each time he came home, I felt a little bigger, a little stronger, a little taller, so I felt like I could, I could get him, but I would wait until he was sleeping. <laughs> I would sneak into his room early in the morning, and I'd jump, jump on the bed 
So at least for two seconds, I had the upper hand. But then Chuck would maneuver and put me in a chokehold or a headlock or something. And before I know it, I was saying, mercy. When you cry out, mercy, you are saying, I surrender. When you cry out, mercy, you're saying, have your way. When you cry out mercy, you're saying, I am powerless and you are powerful. When you cry out mercy, you are yielding to the other. And it doesn't feel good to feel powerless, but we must realize there comes a time in our lives where we don't have the power to control what's going on around us. And when we find ourselves powerless, we must cry out, Lord, have mercy. Why? Because though we're powerless, God is still powerful. God is still in control when we feel like we're losing control. And it's important to acknowledge that because when we find ourselves powerless, we must learn to cry out, Lord, have mercy. When tragedy strikes and the world delves you a tremendous blow, when flood waters rise, that's when we say, Lord, have mercy. When it's raining hell from above, you can't seem to keep your head above water. It's not time for you to get on your high horse and say, I got this. No, that's the time to say, Lord, have mercy mercy. We need to learn how to cry out to the one who's able to keep us from falling, the one who's able to preserve us, the one who's able to cause the waters to subdue and the storm to be still. Cry out, Lord, have mercy. I'm insufficient, but you are full of sufficiency. I am always in need, but you are the supplier of my need. When we say, Lord, have mercy, we're saying, God, have your way over my life. Sometimes we act as if we're God's supervisor. And tell God what to do. Move this. Do this. Give me. Deal with her. But when you realize that you're a steward over the resources of God, that know you not that your body is not even its own, that it was bought with a price, then you begin to realize that God is sovereign. God can do what God wants to do, when God wants to do it, how God wants to do it. And when you're in the place of powerlessness, we cry out, Lord, have mercy. I love the distinguishing difference that some make between grace and mercy. And if you would oblige me for a moment, let me just highlight that for a moment. I, I, I heard that grace is getting what you don't deserve. Grace is when God blesses you because God just loves you and God chose to love you and you can't earn it. You don't deserve it. Our righteousness is as filthy rags, but because God loves you and God loves me despite me and despite you, oh, that's grace. It's unmerited favor. You couldn't be good enough to deserve it or earn it. You get it because he gave it. But I love the explanation of putting mercy in the counterjuncture position in which mercy then is not getting what you do deserve. In other words, we deserve judgment. But mercy said no. We, some of us don't deserve to have woken up this morning to be here today in our right mind, but mercy said, don't give them what they deserve. Have mercy over them. 
Mercy says, although, yes, you've made mistakes in the past, you don't have to reap where you have sown that because the blood of Jesus has covered that. Oh, that's mercy. You want to know the reason why we shout over grace, but we don't shout over mercy? We shout over grace because we like getting stuff, but we don't shout over mercy because mercy forces me to realize that I've got some stuff, that I've got some struggles, that I've got some problems, that I've got some issues that require me to cry out to the one who has all power in his hands. It forces me to realize that I may have some bias, I may have some things in me that I'm not even smart enough to discern yet. That's a problem. But mercy still shows up and says, give him a chance. When we find ourselves in the power of the situation, we must cry out, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Crime and senseless violence, Lord, have mercy. The shooting folk at the Super Bowl party and parades, walking in the churches, Lord, have mercy. Congress doesn't seem to be getting anything done these days as division continues to rise and nobody seems to be excited about where we are. Lord, have mercy. They're in three years now and fighting in the Ukraine. Lord, have mercy. What in the world is going on in Israel and Palestine yet again? Lord, have mercy. There's still children in Ethiopia who don't even have clean water. Lord, have mercy. There are children crossing the border and nobody seems to care what's happening to them. Lord, have mercy. Everything is political and nobody's human anymore. Lord, have have mercy. What would happen if one day everybody just paused for a moment in our country and just cried out, Lord, have mercy. And here's why it's important to cry out, Lord, have mercy. Look at the text. Jesus responds to cries of mercy. Mm. It says here they cried from afar. That means they kept some distance between Jesus and them. Which means God can still hear your cry when you feel there's separation. I wish I had some real folk in here today. See, I got time now. I hope, I hope you don't mind. I had to rush through two sermons. See, I, 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 let me talk about myself. There have been times in my life, although I know what the text says, there's nothing to ever separate me from the love of God. I understand all that. But if I'm honest, there have been times in my life where I felt disconnected from God. I know he loves me. I know he'll never leave me or forsake me. I know all that. But in my heart, I felt disconnected. And I was trying to work my way back into his presence. But what I love about the text is I can cry from wherever I am and Jesus still hears me. I don't have to jump up and down three times, spin around and say, thank you, Jesus. And then he hears me. I can cry out right where I am in my struggle, in my pain, in my heartache, in my despair. Wherever I am, I can cry out right there. I don't have to wait till Sunday morning until Pastor Plunk comes and prays over me. I can cry out when I'm walking down the street. I can cry out 
from my living room or from my shower. I can cry out from my car. I can cry out, Lord, have mercy. Cry from wherever you are and know that Jesus responds even when it feels like he is afar. God's healing is what they were seeking. But when you feel that God is distant, it can be hard to cry. Let me just give me a little bit more to work this and then I'll get to the end, I promise. Think about where they were. They're already disease infested. They're already pushed to the margins of society. One would naturally question God, how did you allow it to get here in the first place? They've already been ostracized. They've already been disappointed. Their family members are already no longer texting, calling, or coming by. How did it get here? When circumstances are there, it can be easy to feel like God is against you. And this moment is important. The Latin fathers called it the use abconditas, the hiddenness of God. They pinned it because of Jesus on the cross crying out, Father, why have you forsaken me? Where it feels like at times that God has hidden his face from your situation is no longer looking upon your devastation. This text tells us, though, that though we may not understand God's timing, that we may not understand God's ways, his ways are not our ways, his thinking's not our thinking, that as the old folk used to say in my tradition, he may not come when you want him to. Oh, but he'll be right on time. So here it is. Let's take a look at Jesus' methodology of healing, and I'm out of your way. Jesus hears their cries. And responds, oh, this is the moment they've been waiting for, ain't it? Ooh, Jesus, about to, you about to do your thing, right? You about to heal, set free, deliver. You about to speak to them. And all of a sudden, there's instantaneous power and healing. And you are free. Go ahead. Walk your own way. Whatever. But that's not what happens, is it? Jesus tells them, go, show yourself to the priest. Wait a minute. The place they kicked us out from, the place that considers us ceremonially unclean, the place they no longer will allow us to go because they're scared of us, we've got to go back to the city. We've got to go to the religious institution and to the leadership of that institution and show our wounds, our pain, Jesus did not promise in the text that they were going to be healed, did not promise or show them or tell them what would happen. There's nothing to even imply that healing was now their destiny. They only were given an assignment. See, sometimes you come to God wanting healing, but God gives you an assignment. You come to God wanting a breakthrough, but instead God gives you a command. You come to God saying, Lord, heal my family. And God says, I want you to join small group. What? You come to God saying, God, I need money. I need a better job. And God says, I need you to join the church. I need you to show up and go through the process. You show up looking for the hand of God. And God says, I want to show you first my 
glorious healing and power that only comes through an assignment of obedience. It is as you work in your assignment that your healing will come because your healing's tied to your assignment. See, we want to be healed and then do the work. As a matter of fact, we quit quo pro God, don't we? God, if you, then I. God, if you just heal me, I'll be at church every Sunday. God, if you just get me out of it this time. Sometimes we even lie. This is the fifth time we prayed that prayer. Get me out this time. And I promise you, I won't do this and again. But what if your healing's tied to your assignment? What if as you go, that's when your breakthrough comes? It may not seem like it's connected, but everything is connected in the kingdom of God. You think you're waiting on the Lord when in actuality God is waiting on you. What word has God given you that you have not walked in? What word and assignment has God placed on your heart that you have yet to engage in all because you're waiting on God to do something when God is waiting on you? So stop wondering when you are going to receive your blessing. Stop wondering when the day will come because the day is here. God's miracles never make sense. He appeared to Moses in the image of a burning bush that was never consumed. It doesn't make sense. A woman had to crawl her way to the hem of his garment in order to be cleansed of her blood disease. That doesn't make sense. They had to cut open a roof of somebody's home that they didn't even own so that they would have to call State Farm. <laughs> they, were going, they were having to get Jake on the, on the phone. Because God's miracles don't make sense. Look at your neighbor and say, God's miracles don't make sense. Stop trying to make sense of it. Just do what he says do. So here we go. As I move to close. The men go, and as they go, they begin to feel sensations that they hadn't felt in quite some time. The numbness begins to leave their bodies. The sores begin to disappear. As the old preachers used to say, they looked at their hands, and they looked new. They looked at their feet, and they did too. And nine kept on going, oh, but one. One turned around, made a, a thank you detour to go back to Jesus and thank him for what he had done. Maybe the others were so focused on the assignment they neglected to say thank you. Maybe some were so focused on going that they didn't look at themselves and see that change had happened. Every now and then you need to look at yourself and see where God has brought you from. Stop beating yourself up because you're not where you want to be. And look back at how far God has brought you. I am not yet where I want to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. I'm still a work in process, but as I look back, there's been progress along the way. So here it is. The man comes back, and I'm going to highlight two things. Notice when and how he thanked him, and I'm out of your way. The when is immediately. He did not delay his gratification, but once he saw his blessing, once he saw his healing, he immediately turned around to say thank you. 
He changed his original plans and backtracked just to say thank you. He told others, I'll catch up with you later. I'll text you when I'm on my way, but I've got to go see the Savior and tell him thank you. When God moves and does something good in your life, you don't wait to testimony service. You don't wait until the next circle up time. You don't wait until you have an audience. You go right then, right there and say thank you. When God's miracles fall into your life, it deserves an immediately and instantaneous gratification. Run into his presence, leave everybody else behind, and say thank you. When they promote you at that job, tell everybody, I need five minutes. You go to your car, you go to the bathroom stall, and you tell the Lord, thank you. Notice that the leper, who is now cleansed and no longer a leper, does not just thank him silently. He doesn't just say, well, God knows my thoughts and what's on my heart, and I'm just going to thank him. No, he audibly communicates and says thank you because there's something that happens on the inside of us when we verbalize the thank you that does a deeper and greater work. You don't need to keep that silent or hold it to yourself. You need to make some room and say thank you. Your spouse may think you're crazy, but it's okay. They already think that anyway. You might as well give them something to talk about. Thank the Lord that he has blessed you. There ought to be one day where you get so happy in here great city that you have other people looking at you going I don't know what's wrong with that sister I don't know what's wrong with that brother but when you think on the goodness of God and what he has done for you you can't help Never will a rock cry out in my place. I don't care what they think about me. I know what God has done and I can't keep it to myself. That's the win. You do it immediately. But notice the how. He doesn't write a letter. He doesn't tag him in a Facebook post. He doesn't do a reel conveying to the world. Yo, it's your boy, Pastor B. I just want to let everybody know that the Lord has blessed me. Y'all know I was out in the tent city out there. It was a leper, but your boy back. I'm coming to the city. Watch out. Hashtag got my breakthrough. <laughs> the text says that he got all the way to the position where he could throw himself at Jesus' feet before they cried out from afar. Oh, but he closed that distance. <laughs> this is the part I love. I get excited on the word. This is so exciting because that means that Jesus was still in the position where he could be found by this man who was healed. So that he would be there for the distance to be close. Ooh, he was waiting on him. Oh, you ought to touch one of your neighbors and say, God is waiting on us. God, God is waiting for you. He, he's waiting for you. He's, wait, he's a patient God. He's waiting for you to come back and say thank you. It says he threw himself. It doesn't say he gently bowed down. He threw. Have you ever thrown yourself? You might have thrown somebody else. Do you know how much intentionality it takes to throw 
yourself. He threw himself at the feet. Oh, there ought to be days, Mount Moriah days, Grace City, where we come to church and just throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus. I didn't know I was going to make it through this week. I came to throw myself at his feet. I didn't know if I was going to lose my mind. I'm going to throw. My, my marriage went through this week, but we showed up and we made it through. I've got to throw myself. My Bible, I don't know about your Bible. My Bible says every good thing comes from God. Y'all got the same Bible I got, right? So that means that I've got a reason to thank him because I've got some good things that have happened. And you weren't there when God showed up in the outskirts of my life, so I'm okay if you don't like my praise. Because there's power in your thank you. On Valentine's Day last Wednesday, I've got three daughters. Ten, eight, four. And a wife. I made it a point Wednesday to take each and every one of them out on their own date. Starting as soon as they got off the bus. Started with the 10-year-old. While the 8-year-old sat with my mom doing her homework. The 8-year-old said, I want sushi. We have a favorite sushi restaurant on Dorchester. Great. Took her to get sushi. We ate sushi. Took her back home. Eight-year-old, your time. Where you want? I want McDonald's. Great. Get in the car. It's right across from the other restaurant, practically. We're at McDonald's. Order two cheeseburger meal. We split it. Good to go. I get home, and it's the baby's turn. The four-year-old. Zaya, where do you want to go? I want to go to a restaurant. Knew her favorite restaurant was Chick-fil-A. I already had it in my mind. It's right down by the McDonald's. This is going to be great. Okay, what restaurant? Um, I don't know, a restaurant. Okay, what kind of food do you want to eat? Chicken. You want chicken? Yeah. What about Chick-fil-A? You want Chick-fil-A? No, I want to go to a restaurant. <laughs> Baby, Chick-fil-A is a restaurant. No, Daddy, I want you to take me somewhere you haven't taken me before. I said, Daddy's going to need a minute to figure that out. Then I remembered they had opened up a brand new Buffalo Wild Wings on Dorchester. I said, Zaya, Daddy got it figured out. Let's go to Buffalo Wild Wings. Ooh, this is going to be the best day ever. Best day ever. We go, and we go to Buffalo Wild Wings. We go and sit down. She's enamored by all the televisions. And then she does something that made me feel so good. She leaned over, she hugged me, she kissed me, and she said, Daddy, thank you. I said, what you want? <laughs> Baby, you can have anything. There's power in your thank you. When this man came back, and thank Jesus, Jesus told him, 
that you have been made well. You have been made whole. Everybody else was healed physically, but just because you look better physically does not mean that you've been made well in your soul. You can be better physically, but still hurting mentally. You can be better because you're no longer a leper, but you still remember when they rejected you. You're still fearful that it's going to come back. They're wounds of your trauma, and what a thank you does is it take his, takes the focus off of what could happen, and it causes you to have gratitude about what is happening, and the God who is gracious hears you say thank you, and as those praises of gratitude go up, oh, peace and healing comes down, blessings come down, goodness comes down, mercy comes down, love comes down. There's power in your thank you. The thank you can make wholeness your reality. Will you stand with me? Hallelujah. I want to invite you to take a moment. If you're comfortable with it, just close your eyes and take a deep breath. And I want you to image in your mind everything that the Lord has done, has blessed you with. Anything you count as good in your life, think about it. Every relationship that's been positive. Think about the service that the leaders of this church have given. That have given life to you. The dedication of your dear pastor and his family. I want you to think about some of the things that you may not have expressed the right amount of gratitude for. The simple things like waking up this morning, having the strength to make it to church today, the healing that has taken place in your body, every breakthrough. And think for a moment on the things that you don't even know about that God did, the protection He's given you don't even have the knowledge of. Think about that time you couldn't find your keys when really the God was delaying your travel so you wouldn't perish in a car accident. How mad you were when really it was the grace of God. The Bible says he cried out with a loud voice at the feet of Jesus. It wasn't soft, it wasn't sweet, it wasn't cute. It was a cry from his soul because he knew what the Lord had done. And he wanted to make sure his voice and his pitch matched his heart. He didn't want to come off as ungrateful. Only one who wasn't a, even the same culture as Jesus. One that was a part of a people who were enemies with those of Jewish descent. And he didn't care 
I got to say thank you. I want you to muster all the energy you can. And on the count of three, we're going to join in with this man. And we're going to yell with a loud voice as a chorus of gratitude. Yell out a thank you with all of our might. On the count of three, embody everything within your soul. And push it out through your voice. On the count of three, we scream out, thank you. One, two, three. your healing. Thank you for your deliverance. Thank you for your hand of protection. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your goodness and mercy. Thank you, oh God, for the strength in my body. Thank you, Lord, that I could have been gone, but you made a way. Thank you. Oh, 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 thank you. Thank you, 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 thank you. Thank you for this pastor, for his heart, for his love for his dedication and his family. May your blessings overwhelm him. May there not even be room enough for him to receive them. Lord, may Grace City be known, God, as a people of a presence. And may that presence be the presence of the Almighty God. May people be drawn here from the north, south, east, and west in order to meet Jesus through these, your people. Father, we are grateful today. In the name of Jesus the Christ, we pray. And all God's children said, thank you. Hallelujah. And amen. Come on and bless the Lord, Grace City. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Church Podcast. Whether this is your first time with us or you find the Lord moving you to engage differently or just learn more about who we are, we encourage you to find us at our website.